The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 156 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the membership director for Wealth Builders, and I'm joined today by our founder, Mr. Kevin Whelan. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Chris. Always good to be with you. Yeah, and always good to be with our members. And uh, today brings us another member spotlight, and uh, it's Helen Crabtree. And uh, Helen joined with her husband, David, uh, just about a couple of years ago, actually, certainly during the pandemic. And um, yeah, we're hearing about Helen's business today. But if I recall, it wasn't Helen who joined the programme. Well, actually, yeah, it was David. I remember on the phone, David in the city, working long hours, really, really quite unhappy with that lifestyle. And uh, yeah, you know, David joined. Helen quickly jumped on the coaching calls. And, uh, you know, before we knew it, Helen was building a business of her own. Right. Well, I mean, that's good, isn't it? Because when you know that, for example, the Wealth Builder program is a family program. It's not one person joins. It is available for husband and wife or, or another partner. And uh, often we'll see that someone is motivated. They've got a real strong reason why, like in this case, David, to escape that rat race, to break free of the tyranny of the routine of the nine to five. And then the spouse gets involved with lots of dynamo, as I'm sure we'll hear when we talk about wealth dynamics, Chris, because I know she talks about that, uh, takes over in some respects, um, at least for herself anyway. And then it turns out to be quite a nice combination and an elegant team that discovers the differences and then harnesses those differences well. Instead of what some people do in wealth is they dwell on the differences instead of harnessing them. So uh, all will be revealed in that one. It will. And as usual on our spotlight, what we do is kind of take a walk through our nine-step recurring revenue roadmap, which is the process that we teach uh, our members who join us in the Wealth Builders Academy to move from a place of financial insecurity through to security and then on to independence. And uh, that's a journey we know from start to finish, you know, takes uh, approximately five years, Kevin. So, you know, first one or two years is always the early stages. It's just testing those ideas turning a few wheels, as we say, in the wealth builders world, and, um, you know, just finding the right path. And then year two, year three really is where the momentum builds. Oh, absolutely right, Chris. And and I think as uh, Dan Hill said in the uh, podcast we did previously, you know, success and failure is predictable. And we know that if people follow our roadmap, success is predictable. And if they try and break it, try and cheat the wheel, uh, do things that... uh, will pull them apart in different directions rather than keeping that energy focused and that momentum going, uh, then you know, in, usually will fail that. But good to see that Helen and David are not failing the process. They're following the process. They're, uh, we're pleased to see that they're doing that, doing it really, really well. Uh, and probably a good idea to stop talking about it. Let's listen to it. Okay, let's uh, have a listen to Helen's story. Helen, welcome to Wealth Talk today. Hi, lovely to see you, Christian. Yeah, good to have you on, Helen. And uh, looking forward to hearing your journey since joining Wealth Builders. And uh, we're going to be focusing on your business today, uh, which you've set up and probably nearly two years ago now. So uh, we'll hear the steps that you've taken along the way. And uh, you first joined. So if we start with the beginning, like okay. we do, um, where it all began, what was the kind of catalyst 
Um, I believe it was you and your husband, or maybe David, actually, your husband, who initially took that first step. And I remember having a chat with him. Um, so why don't you just tell us what that, that early days were like? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm a teacher and I was a head of department. I've always been very happy with that and hadn't really thought too much about much else. I had little businesses on the side and I've always been involved in things. But my husband, David, worked in the city. He was in investment banking he was the main earner, but he was increasingly unhappy because he was working huge hours and wasn't with us. And it was putting a real strain on us. So he was keen to find a way out whilst we could maintain the life that we were used to and obviously not lose our house and things like that. So he started exploring and investigating different opportunities and different sort of s- schemes, resources. Did a lot of research and he honed in on wealth builders so I chose that. And when he told me about it, I became quite intrigued. And the idea of sort of, okay, well, I could do something new. I've been in the same position for a while and I quite like a bit of an adventure. And so we started on the Wealth Builders journey. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, always, I do remember, because obviously, as I say, I was speaking to David and then you just got really, really like involved and you were like driving a lot of the, the the ideas and obviously one of the first things we do when new members join is, is take the wealth dynamics uh, assessment so you took that assessment Helen and uh, what was your profile well it was very funny actually I think it taught us both a lot about ourselves so I found out that I was a creator or creative I can't remember what the wording is mm-hmm. uh, and it fits very much um, because I tend to have a lot of ideas and I like to start things. So I've had different businesses along the way. I've sort of done tapas classes. I've done dating things for people. Um, but I tend to get bored quite quickly. Um, and so I think it was really good to learn about myself and to see what I would need to keep things sustained in order sort of to grow businesses rather than just start them. David, on the other hand, was a lord, which fit very much. And it's sort of made a lot of sense why in business we don't really understand each other because he needs to know everything. He needs to have planned out every single step to sort of the nth degree before he's ready to go. Whereas I've lost interest by that point. (laughs) So it was was really nice to sort of see those two profiles and to understand each other a bit more and see how we could help each other. And also when we needed to sort of say, okay, we need to back off and let the other person do their thing. Uh, And that led us actually to decide that we should do different businesses and help each other than, than right, rather than sort of clashing heads and trying to work together, which was positive, I think. Yeah, and uh, we'll come on to the pillars, obviously, but uh, I know David's been focusing on property and you were focusing on business and there's been a few other pillars that, uh, that you've utilised along the way since there. But before we get to that, let's just kind of look at the foundational, those early steps that we have in the roadmap, um, which include just reviewing what you've currently got coming in and out of your life at the moment and making sure that you've got a, a firm and secure roof in place mm-hmm. as well. So tell us about some of the steps that you took there, Helen, and uh, what, what you've changed. Okay. So first of all, we just sort of did a bit of um, like an appraisal of where we were, what money was coming in, what money was going out. Um, there wasn't a huge amount that we could tighten our belts on. Um, when we took the step for David leaving the city, which I'll come on to, we did tighten our belts. Sort of luxuries went away for a little while. Um, but in terms of bills, we were doing quite well. But what we did realise is that we could use our house to generate more income, as, as suggested in Wealth Builders. So we now rent out the, the shed to a couple of people. It's quite a big shed we have for storage. We rent out the, um, the patio. 
for a little while, we rented out a room at the top of the house, um, but now we prefer to have our family privacy. So we used the house as a source of income. Uh, and then we also had a little look at the property that we have in Spain and how to increase um, the money that that brings in. So we sort of extended the the months it was available to and looked at different avenues for advertising. And we also just increased the prices a little bit uh, as we'd got more reviews and we were sort of getting more known in the market. Yeah. Yeah. So step two, debits, it's all about uncovering hidden money already in your life. So as you say, you already had these these things, but they just weren't maximised or optimised. And so you took those steps, which was great, and started to bring in some additional income. And then what about the roof? Uh, what, what things did you learn about there? Well, so with that, I think we were probably slower than we should have been because we were juggling a lot of things. But we started off pretty soon having conversations with uh, some solicitors that you guys had recommended to us. And so we now have in place the wills, um, the power of attorney, and we've set up a trust so that our children will be cared for in the event of emergencies. And then, then they'll have that when, when they're older. Yeah. And you mentioned your children there, Helen. Obviously, you know, you're David working hard now to create a, a better lifestyle for yourselves with more freedom, more time. But, you know, looking forward, the legacy aspect, you know, is building wealth something important, obviously, in terms of the whole family? I think it is really, really important to us because life is much harder, I think, or will be much harder to, for them to buy houses and things than it was for our generation. Um, but at the same time, David and I are both very keen that they can stand on their own two feet. So we want to have a legacy that's for them, but we want them to be able to prove themselves first, I think, is where we stand on that. Yeah, yeah. Nothing better than really kind of, you know, getting that education yourself and being able to pass that on to them. Um, so, yeah, good skills. And of course, yeah. we've got the families program coming soon as well. So, oh, um, yeah. yes. That's funny because Oliver started a little business. She does baking and she sells her baking already. She's only oh, nine. So, yeah, she's got into it too. <laughs> following in her mother's footsteps there. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, foundation is in place. The roof is in place, giving you, you know, that security, uh, that peace of mind. Let's look at the assets then. So, as we mentioned, um, You've set up a business, Helen. So tell us, uh, what was the inspiration behind setting that business up and, uh, and and tell us a bit about it? Okay, so when we were sort of doing the Wealth Builders course, I remember um, one of the lessons that I think Kevin and you did, but I remember Kevin particularly saying that you need to sort of look at what's needed at the moment, where there'll be gaps and people are looking for things. And when we um, joined Wealth Builders, it was sort of at the time that COVID was beginning to start. And there was a lot of, oh, I probably should have said that I'm a teacher and I've sort of run departments and things. And there were a lot of children who were doing online learning and they were just falling massively behind. So kids not paying attention or not understanding or poor quality lessons. Uh, and it came to me that there was going, there's always been a big demand for tutors and it's been increasing, but that there would be, and there, there is a demand for high quality tutors who are qualified teachers who really, really know their stuff because a lot of tutors can be quite substandard. And so I thought, well, if I can use the skills I've got from being a teacher and running departments and choosing staff to get these high quality tutors in, then this could be a business. Yeah. So we're talking, we're talking about summer of 2020, around about that time. Yeah, so that's when we sort of, I sort of first made the decision that that was the business I was going to do. And then I think things started in about September or October of that year. 
Okay. So tell us what were some of the steps because for any strategy that you know you focus on, we've all got the process of turning the wheel of wealth. So that consists of obviously getting some education and some support connections to people that are already doing similar things. And uh, tell us what were the first steps you took there about learning how to get that business up and running. Well, I suppose there were there were two main first steps. One I think came after a conversation with you, and it was just sort of testing if the idea is viable if people are willing to pay for this service. So I started off just by word of mouth um, saying to everybody that I knew this is what I was thinking of doing and would they be interested? And I got a few customers. So from there, I could see that just just through a few conversations that this looked viable. I then realized that I knew pretty much zero about marketing um, and about websites. So I read a few books. One that really stood out to me was um, I think it's called Building a Brand Story. Yeah, yeah, Building Your Story Brand. Yeah, Donald That's Miller. That's the one. Really, really uh, good book. Really good. <laughs> In my own name of it. Okay, so I, building, I read that and then I sort of came up with a website design and wrote the text. And then I, I sort of used what you'd call personal leverage, I guess. And I made contact with an old friend who was in marketing and education who I knew was good at websites. And we sort of paired up and he helped me to do the website. And from there, things have sort of just grown. But they were the first stage. It was learning how to build a website, basic marketing, some Facebook knowledge, and then just testing out the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as you say, the first step is always validate, you know, get your first paying customer and then, uh, you know, start building from there. And um, yeah, and you got those quite quickly. Um, So in terms of strategy, I guess it sounds like, you know, focusing online. I know you were reaching out, connecting with other groups in your area uh, where there were, um, you know, parents and um, and yeah, building things from there. So whilst you were doing that, obviously, David was was working on things as well. So the seven pillars that you can use to generate recurring income. You're obviously focusing on the business pillar there. And um, what were some of the other pillars? We've got obviously your home, your pension, investments, property, business. Okay, so David is sort of focusing on property, but he's sort of he, he's created a business around property, whereby he is um, dealing with co- essentially two types of things: commercial to residential conversions, and then taking land and building on them. Uh, his background is in financial analysis. So he's very, very good at working out how much things will cost, how much you can pay, what profit you'll make. So he now is packaging deals for commercial to residential, very large scale projects. Um, we've also um, started our SAS. So we've done all the paperwork for that in order to release our pensions um, David's is more easy to release. Some of mine can be released, some not, because it's a teacher's pension. Uh, and the plan is to put that into property. Okay. And home capacity as well? Um, have you brought that into play? Home capacity meaning generating money from the home. And um, did, releasing, did you, have you released some? Ah, yes. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. Yeah, we released equity on the house. I can't remember now exactly how much, but we released the maximum that we were allowed to do because yeah. we bought our house eight years ago and it's in London. So the value has gone up a lot. So we were allowed to do that. Right. So again, and that'll be used uh, mostly on building your property portfolio now, expanding that. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So yeah, lots of uh, good examples of leverage there. Um, you said relationship leverage really of your connections and certainly intellectual leverage, your years of experience 
in, in the world of teaching there. Um, so talking about focus then, and obviously, you know, uh, we have wealth coaches and we have the support of the community. You mentioned at the beginning, being a creator, difficult for you to kind of, you know, really focus on one idea without getting too distracted by new ideas. But, um, you know, for someone who's maybe in a similar boat, how important do you think it is to just, you know, focus on one thing and, and start seeing those results before moving on to something else? I think it's really, really important. And I think it's it's good to know early on that it would be challenging if you're a creator like me to do that because my tendency is to go and do something else. So I think what was really, really useful to me was the ideas in Wealth Builders about passive income. This idea that if you can get the business going and get other people's work to be generating the income, then in sort of a certain amount of time, you will be able to step back. But to accept that that's not something that will happen immediately. I think what was also really, really important was um, the idea of sort of outsourcing uh, and not doing everything yourself. So I think through you, through Bronwyn and through Ian, who was who was a coach of mine for a while, I found a really excellent VA. I've used connections to get an SEO team in place. Um, I've also got Facebook ads in place now. And I think it's really, really important if you're going to be able to grow the business and stick with it to realize that you need other people's skills and you can't do it all yourself. Um, and and if if you are somebody who tends to want to move on quickly, having these other people doing the jobs that you're not so keen on makes it more sustainable because you can step back, but you can keep growing the business at the same time and overseeing it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I think trusted connections is important as well there. You mentioned, you know, you're working with different people now and it can be different knowing who's out there. There's so many people telling you that they can, you know, do good work for you. But hopefully, you know, the, the community has supported you there and, and given you good recommendations, which you, you're happy with. And, yeah, very um, much. and in terms of results then, so obviously you've been turning the wheel, you're generating income from your business. And um, let's look at kind of where you were a couple of years ago uh, at the point you both joined and where you're at now, sort of nearly two years or so into the business, Helen. So, um, so yeah, let's talk about some numbers. Where, what are you generating now in terms of income? Okay, so in terms of sort of income, I think my business brings through about six or seven thousand pound comes into the the bank. About two two and a half thousand of that is profit because a lot of it is staffing. Um, but it's now on a, a position where it's about fifty fifty passive income, fifty fifty what I put in through my work so the goal now I can see that it is it is possible to scale it up I've got um, I think eight staff working for me now and about 25 hours of teaching so now the plan is to scale up um, with the goal of being able to sort of step back in a year or so and have that passive income coming in yeah no that's a fantastic achievement and it's always harder at the beginning right with everything it takes time to to get the momentum going to build the confidence to kind of feel like as you say you're on the right track and then year 2 year 3 are when we start to see you know things really speed up so that's brilliant in terms of um david um where's david now in terms of uh, you know he was in that rat race as you say when he joined um what's his situation so he left the city in November. We tightened our belts a little and my business was bringing in money at that point and more money than we'd had before through my side. So he left the city in November uh, and he started his business. He's much happier than he was. He's secured, I think, I can't remember how many deals. He's secured a few deals, 
none of the cash has come in yet, but the deals are secured. So it's a matter of a few weeks now until he starts getting quite significant lump sums coming in. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, that's fantastic. Um, cause I remember, you know, he really wanted out. He, he did want that, that, you know, that independence. So, um, yeah, great results for you both. Um, yeah. in terms of looking forward then, Helen, um, you know, what, what do you see as being important to help you both, you know, keep on track now and, uh, to be able to hit your security and then eventually your independence figures? Um, I think I would find it hard. I think the next steps for me will be to increase my knowledge of marketing, to do more online marketing, to make more contacts and to find the right people to grow that way. And also to systemize. Um, I think a lot of things that perhaps I'm doing manually need to be systemized. Um, I think to make more of automations, to get the, um, the banking systemized so that payments in and, and the things that other people have, that that my staff have worked are all automated. That's my next step in order that I can grow it and step back a little. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think in uh, in the two years, Helen, it's been great progress. Uh, really, really pleased for you both and uh, enjoying working with you and uh, wishing you all the best for the next year or two ahead. Thank you. And I would just say to people, the beginning is really, really scary you'll make mistakes. I'm still making mistakes. Everybody is. And you'll think it's all going to go wrong. Try things, accept things will fail and just keep going and step by step. You'll get there. I hope we all will get there. Great advice. Thanks for being a great guest today on Wealth Talk, Helen. Thanks, Christian. Okay. So uh, really good to hear Helen's progress there. We'll uh, kind of dig into that in a bit more detail in just a moment, Kevin. Before we do so, let's head over to Trustpilot and... uh, have a look through our reviews this week. And uh, I'm going to pull out one from Tony, uh, who's left us a really lovely review. We know Tony well. And he says, I would like to thank Kevin for the support in helping my wife and I with the foundations of our business and vision to our future wealth planning over the last year. The information out there can be overwhelming. And Kevin helps us consolidate resources and a pathway with his guidance and reliable connections. This has been essential in creating the foundations to grow and protect our future wealth. Whilst our main focus is property, the Wealth Builder's concept of creating wealth through a diversity of recurring income assets, and he puts in brackets seven established and backed up pillars, makes it the most holistic and comprehensive program I've come across to date. And we've created our own company and a SaaS, wills and lasting power of attorneys and added another property to the portfolio. We've participated in a joint venture and we're looking to start a new gateway business all within the last year. So thank you once again to Kevin and the team, Christian, Rich Co, Carol Robinson and the Wealth Builders community for the friendship and support. Well, that's like a little novella. <laughs> <laughs> I, think you should, I think we should watch that movie, you know. I mean, what, what Tony and his family have achieved in 12 months. Now, let, let's be clear about that, that they did engage with me personally. And uh, just for anybody listening, um, there is the option. It isn't something we promote and offer particularly, but there are some people who, either because they reach a certain stage in their life, there's a milestone, a new chapter, either the selling of a business, uh, coming out of the rat race, some other reason, that there's a very nice combination of financial leverage and time leverage. In other words, they've got an abundance of both. 
Um, and then it makes sense instead of having monthly coaching calls, really to have a more immersive wealth experience. And, uh, and I'd like to do that and become a mentor for uh, families and business owner families, mostly business owners, I have to say, because helping to create recurring income inside the business as well as outside. So it's a more, it's a more of a challenging process than wealth created from financial assets that are held privately. But, but Tony and his family embraced that. And, uh, you know, I've had many meetings with, uh, with him and his wife and the wider family, the two boys. And, uh, and it's been a real, real pleasure uh, to be their guide and their mentor. And um, yes, you know, it, it was just as you described it just before the break there, Chris, you know, there's a small period where you've got to learn a lot before the momentum. And that's not unlike a business. Uh, we heard Helen talk about her business. And um, I could share, if you want to, Chris, the seven stages of a business so that if somebody's either thinking about a business or has a business, they can begin to put their own business into that context. You know I mean? Yeah, please, please. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, okay. So the, the first, for most people anyway, uh, once they determine they want to be an entrepreneur, and we believe that wealth comes from being an entrepreneur, solving problems, creating solutions. So the first is the idea. What's the problem? How do you solve that problem? And what's the impact of that problem? So I call that the idea stage. The next stage is to test the idea. You know, who likes the idea? Does the idea carry some uh, way of being able to deliver that idea consistently and, and profitably? And the best way to test that, we found, Chris, and we do this ourselves, don't we, is we beta test. So you create a work group, and we've got a brilliant community within Wealth Builders for people to test their businesses and say, well, who will help me test this idea out to help me make sure that it's robust, it works, and there is a demand for it. And usually you've got, you give the, the testers kind of free access because you're seriously testing a business. And if that works, then you can move to the next stage, which is the startup, which is when you're really putting the infrastructure into the business to begin the trading. Now, assuming whether it's self-employed, whether it's an LLP, limited company, none of that's relevant at the start. It might be relevant at the end, certainly, but not at the start. And then it's into generating cash flow, stage four, um, seeing that there's money coming in. You know, And in Helen's case, there was money coming in. And I think probably Helen would admit herself that there's money coming in, but she's still doing quite a bit of the work in the business. So the money, there's money being made, but they'll be squeezing on margins and this sort of thing if she's paying external coaches or uh, tutors in her case. And, and that can be a challenge until you overcome that, which is then you're systemizing um, the, the, the process, you know, from there. So when you're systemizing, you're starting to turn that into more profit. So you're focused on profit, not just cash flow. And then the next stage after that is the scaling and systemization uh, where you're looking to, Work on that business, as everybody says, you know, from the E-Myth book by Michael Gerber, work on the business, not in the business. And that's the ultimate plan to be able to do that so that you can create multiple exit strategies in the final stage of the business. Like a final stage in life, Chris, is our exit strategy. And all the world's a stage and, um, you know, we need to choose our exit. And uh, some of us exit left, like my dad who just died and 
didn't really leave a business, so the wealth wasn't created in the business. But many exit right, and they can either sell their business to an acquirer, which ultimately gives the biggest premium, it gives the biggest value. And the more you've got recurring income in a systemized business, the bigger the value, often seven, eight, ten times more valuable than just a business that's turning over profit. And uh, Or you could sell it to the staff, you know, so there are ways you can create a long-term plan to exit the business, sell it to the staff, and uh, get money out tax-free. Uh, so tax, you know, is an overlay to all of this. Or you can pass it on to your family. Uh, because most businesses, and I remember doing a presentation on this, Chris, at the BizX Forum, speaking to 2,000 business owners, and less than 1%, Chris, you know, we, we talk about 5% of people become financially independent, 95% don't. 99% of businesses do not sell for more than a million. In other words, you know, if a million quid is a benchmark for a reasonable business and you put a million in the bank when you sell it, most businesses don't sell at all. And those who do sell don't sell for anywhere near that. So consequently, wealth has got to be built for the most part outside of the business first, inside of the business second. But I think Helen's on the right path and David's on the right path. And while that was a very long answer to a very short question, I hope you get the idea. Yeah, I'm still here. Don't worry. That was uh, very elegant. I like that seven steps there. I think we can expand on that perhaps for our listeners and members uh, and create a kind of framework for, for people to follow there. So uh, yeah, why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? Yeah. Um, you mentioned there just well, you know, one of the ways to, get to exit is, you know, perhaps selling to, to the team, to, to the employees. And we actually covered that on episode 103 of Wealth Talk. So that was all about employee ownership. Yeah. So I'll link to that in the show notes in case that's of interest to anyone who's listening. Um, so let's, yeah, let's, you know, wind it back to the beginning, I guess, with Helen. And uh, we talked about her husband, David, obviously working long hours. He was in the rat race. Helen's a teacher. So she's obviously working long hours as well. They have a family. So like so many of our members, Kevin, you know, it's about how can people start breaking free of the time for money trap, reliant on one source of income. And uh, for both Helen and David, they were looking at different pillars. So Helen, obviously focusing on the business pillar. David had an interest in the property pillar. And, uh, you know, we talk about five types of leverage in our model, in our roadmap. It's step five. And uh, there's different types of leverage, financial, intellectual, relationship. But with Helen, obviously, being a teacher and spotting an opportunity during COVID, which is something yeah. Daniel Hill mentioned on last week's episode, you know, entrepreneurs you know, really thrive when there's a bit of challenge out there, you know, because they spot these opportunities. And, and Helen absolutely did that. And she leveraged. Yeah, leveraged that's really good, yeah, that's a really good point, Chris. And I think there, there's, there are generally two points I'd make there. One is... Uh, business owners who are confident in what they do, they have this knowledge of their ability to be flexible and pragmatic in unusual circumstances. Then they know they can change. They can pivot. They can switch gears. They can move fast because they're receptive. They're tuned in to these changes. And what Helen's done, although she's not an established business owner and very much hope she will be, she just spotted the opportunity. And the opportunity being, you know, with COVID, with with the pandemic, the lockdown, the impact on children's education um, has been challenging. And therefore, to bolster that education through private tuition. Smart move. Very smart move. And I think we've got another member, uh, Neil Morgan, 
who has really expanded, hasn't he, into the mental wellness of children in schools. You know, again, picking up on that challenge with what was going on when kids wearing face masks, kids, you're not being able to be with their friends and so on. And he's doing a wonderful job. I just saw some posts from him just in the last few days. So congratulations to Neil Morgan. But this is the benefit of uh, knowing a really robust framework about how to respond to opportunities. And Helen's done a great job in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And and the benefit of obviously being part of a community of like-minded people who are supporting one another with uh, with those efforts. So um, another thing, again, kind of a lot of a lot of parallels from last week's episode. Daniel Hill mentioned creating a life by design, and I think Helen and David kind of referred to that at the beginning mm-hmm. is having to tighten the belt a little bit. You know, there were certain things they knew. They were preparing for David to leave the corporate world. You know, that income stream wasn't going to be the same for a few months. So they had to look at, you know, what they were spending in their life, cut back on a few things. And sometimes you have to do that, right? You have to design what the next few months or the next year is going to look like. And it might be a little bit tricky, challenging at times. It's important to stress, though, Chris, you can't save your way to wealth. We don't have a program that is called Wealth Reducers is called Wealth Builders. And the reason for that is because you position yourself to build wealth. Now, if you're going through a dramatic change, and that was a double change going on in that family, wasn't it, with both David and with Helen. And I think she mentions tightening the belt, but I think tightening the belt is okay. It's a concept where I think for the most part, though, in the debits process, the process that we use, Chris, that kind of ruthlessly pulls apart someone's uh, finances and a whole range of things from debt, education, bills, insurance, tax, and stock market fees. And we've done that many, many times now, the debits process. Uh, it's often easy to find money that can help you tighten the belt because you're finding and discovering things. Not just, you're not just cutting things out. You're, you're finding money that you can either redeploy or it makes it easy to move from insecurity to security because the security place, the first step, if you like, beyond insecurity, the first step on the journey to wealth is to get to security because security gives you the ability to claim back time. Once you can achieve security, the equivalent of whatever your lifestyle would be with a bite slightly tightened, we called it a lockdown lifestyle, Chris, I think in previous podcasts. So you know you're not going to have everything, but you know it's temporary. It's not a permanent bite-tightening, penny-pinching, scrimping on anything, budgeting. No, it's not that lifestyle at all. It's about taking a small step back to make a giant leap forward. And it's important to stress that. So I don't want anybody joining Wealth Builders thinking, oh, all I've got to do is tight. Be frugal, uh, you know, Spend less than I'm uh, than I'm earning, and and I can invest the rest in the stock market. That's not that's a slow path and a path of uncertainty with the stock market volatility. It's not a path I'm recommending to anybody. That's the path of tradition. It's the path that's proliferated by the financial services industry, which wants to capture uh, people on this long hold of money in the stock market. No, it's not about the stock market. It's about you taking control. And you investing in your own stock, 
You know, your personal stock, your intellectual stock, your relationship stock with your family members, as, as Helen and David have done remarkably well. And so pleasing to hear that they spotted those differences in their wealth dynamic. Yes. You know, and I just love the way she framed that. And we, it's almost like as a celebration once they discovered it, instead of, because they saw it on a piece of paper and could see we're different, but instead of that difference pulling us apart, how can we make that difference come together as an accelerant? And I think they've done a great job. I was very pleased to hear that. Yes. And obviously, congratulations to David as well, because throughout that period of time, he has now escaped the rat race and he is doing what he loves every day. And we saw him just a couple of weeks ago at the uh, event in Brooklyn's we were at. Good to see. Good to see him there. And, um, you know, he's using that financial analysis background now to apply that to one of the entrepreneurial pillars, which is obviously the property portfolio pillar and uh, sourcing deals, helping other investors with, uh, (coughs) you know, with their, with their property portfolio. So, um, you know, it's brilliant. And so often people who do get stuck in a rut in a job, they kind of just want to get away from it and they just forget about all those years of connections and experience and knowledge. But the key is definitely to to not forget about it, but just to apply it to something where you have a bit more interest, where you're more in control. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Chris. I mean, often when people who've had quite senior positions in, like David did, uh, in in the world of your sort of corporate world, I suppose, or indeed when we had somebody recently sold their business and their identity, the very fabric of their being was, you know, I'm a city broker, whatever title I I'm the MD of a, you know, ex-manufacturing company. Then all of a sudden, you know, they don't have a title anymore. And in some respects, they can almost begin mistakenly, I think, to believe they're a newbie. You know, they're back to the very bottom when in fact they're not, when they carry forward that intellectual leverage of what they did before in their business and in their careers and try and find a way to bring that, just as David's done, as Helen has done, as I've done with my economics background and and, and you've done, it just shows that if you carry forward, I think, um, what was it? I think it was Daniel Priestley who said, you're standing on a mountain of value, but you can't see it because you're looking away and it's right underneath you because it's, the very essence of who you are and what you built up and the connections you've made over time. So uh, definitely another good lesson. So thanks for bringing that one out. Yeah. So, you know, Helen is definitely still building the business, but doing a great job, you know, generating two and a half thousand pounds profit per month now. Now, some of her time is still going into that, as we mentioned, and she said for her, the key steps now moving forward are to outsource more, to systemize more, those steps that you mentioned in that in that model earlier, Kevin. So, um, you know, congratulations to them both. They've been really great members of the Wealth Builders community. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing how things go in the next year. Yeah, and you know, my final point about this is the value of the community. I mean, Tony referred to that, although he worked directly with me, but he mentioned you, he mentioned Carol, he mentioned the community. I think I was talking to um, a gentleman the other day, very smart guy super smart guy called George. And uh, George said to me, you know, I love what I do, but it's somehow quite isolating, you know, because he's making all the decisions in his business on his own. And while he's got a team around him, he's not discussing his wealth with his team. He's not discussing his wealth with his staff, you know? So I think there's a value in seeking out a community, a like-minded community, as you'd say, 
a trusted community, a holistic community. And as Tony elegantly said, you know, we are, as far as I know it, Chris, and I'd love for anybody to tell me differently, the only completely holistic center of excellence when it comes to building wealth. So whatever you want to do in wealth, whatever pillar you choose, whichever way you see yourself designing that, yes, be open to other ways too. But I think we've uh, managed to find or we continue to find and curate the best quality thought leaders, educators, teachers, suppliers and connectors around to try and build a really, really strong community for people to uh, to can envelop them, you know, to feel like they're not going to make a mistake. They're not going to be pushed or pulled in a direction for anybody's self-interest. And I think that should be coming out by episode 156, Chris, <laughs> of Wealth Talk, that we do an outstanding job in that. And I'm blowing that trumpet because I was so, you know, wowed with uh, Tony's comment. Yeah. So if you, you know, are interested to find out a bit more about our community, Wealth Builders Academy, you know, that process that helps you to move from a place of financial insecurity through to independence, then head to wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash academy. You can have a read. You can see everything that we do there, all of our coaches that are involved in supporting our members and, um, you know, book a call, have a chat. It's very informal. We want to get to know you. We want to make sure it's the right fit for both of us before mm-hmm. we take, you know, any further steps. Yeah. Cool. All right, good. Hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Thanks for being with us once again. Kevin, we will catch up same time, same place next week. I look forward to that as well, Chris. And until then, my friend, see ya. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership.